your life, and it's ending one minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we can buy shit we don't need. Ideas are brutal. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. Timo Ahopelto is a next-level biohacker and the executive chairman of Valky, the Finnish company behind the Human Charger, a revolutionary device the size of a small iPod that offers to help cure jet lag in a novel way by actually beaming light through your ears. He says, we have the same light-sensing proteins in our brains that we have in our eyes and our skin. Currently, there are over 70,000 happy Human Charger users worldwide. In this episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show podcast, Anthony and Timo discuss his foray into the world of biohacking and human performance optimization, specific biohacks that use light to increase energy and boost cognition, ways to improve sleep quality to minimize recovery time for your training and maximize energy and performance, how coaches and trainers are using specific quantification markers, such as heart rate variability, to boost the performance of famous athletes, and things you can do right now to skyrocket your energy, cognition, mood, and overall performance. So without further ado, sit back and relax and enjoy Anthony's conversation with Timo Ahopelto. Hey everyone, I know you'll enjoy the interview. If you'd like to learn more of my top biohacking secrets, get a free copy of my best-selling book called The Biohacker's Guide to Upgraded Energy and Focus for free at biohackersguide.com. It's over 500 pages of my top biohacks and I'll send it to you for free if you cover a small shipping cost. Get your free copy at biohackersguide.com. Timo, welcome to the show. Uh, let's let's start out. Give us a little bit of background about how you got into all this. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah. So hi, I'm Timo from Finland. So so far, eight hours away from Chicago, uh, where Anthony is currently. So um, this was actually a coincidence. Um, one of my friends um, told me about two guys uh, very north in Finland who were working on something that they called Valki which means like fire and light in, in, in Finnish uh, dialects. And, uh, and, and one of the guys was a neurologist. The other guy was Nokia engineer, uh, working a lot with the headsets and different mobile phones and all that stuff. And, uh, and the engineer was suffering from a very severe, what we call seasonal affective disorder, which is more commonly known as winter blues which basically means that when the amount of light is reducing during the winter, you just get totally not functional, really. So uh, you sleep like a bear, you eat a lot of chocolate, you have a cravings for carbohydrate and sugar. Um, you know, you are just like feeling tired all the way around. And, uh, and, and the neurologist uh, has had this observation in his work that um, it's actually not the eyes uh, that are needed to have the refreshing effect of the light, but uh, also the light when you just project it into the skull area of humans or actually any mammals, it's 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 having a similar type of effects like a regular like a bright sunlight outside, and then these guys just kind of got together and they clicked immediately. So you have this neuro guy, and then you have this Nokia engineer who thinks that hey, people are so used to keeping all sorts of earplugs in their ears. And, and an ear is like a direct hole into your brain. And if the brain is reactive to light, that's kind of a clicked immediately. And then, and then they took the piece of paper and kind of a draw 
the first version of the device, which is today called Human Charger. And, and when I heard about company, um, I mean, I'm an entrepreneur and investor. Uh, my background, I kind of a daytime job in, in addition to biohacks. Um, I immediately, in a way, that, hey, there's something like a really crazy and almost like counterintuitive in this, that you should be kind of consuming light via ears and not via eyes. And, and, and I dig deeper and discuss with the scientists who have been looking at this and, and kind of got convinced that, um, this is the, this is the way to go, and, and that was already quite quite a long time ago. That was like a 2010, so six years ago. And, and I'm a this is my happy like a sixth uh, anniversary of using the device, I guess. <laughs> happy anniversary! Thanks. <laughs> so, why does seasonal affective disorder take place? I, I know yeah. the the simple answer is that we're not getting enough light, but a lot of people assume it's vitamin D. What what do you know? What do we know about it? Where is the scientific literature at this point in time? Yeah, I must probably disappoint you because nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is really. I mean, if you if if you read like uh, popularized science papers, and if you read like men's health or women's health magazines, it's already vitamin D. But actually, there are no studies where seasonal affective disorder and vitamin D are linked together. And then there are no studies. I mean, everybody knows that if you are in the dark, you lack vitamin D because your skin doesn't get enough sun to produce it, right? So when you are in dark, you should take vitamin D, but there's no direct correlation into seasonal affective disorder. And, and currently, if you, if you really listen to um, some of these leading scientists in, in, in conferences and, and, and all that, uh, these days people are thinking that uh, the abnormal light conditions um, are actually affecting our circadian rhythm. So it means that um, our body is thinking that, you know, when we wake up, our body is thinking that the sun should be up there, but it's not. So we are forced to wake up at 6 a.m. in a latitudes like in Finland or in New York or Chicago, where the sun gets up, let's say, at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock or in Finland even at 11 o'clock, right? So you have this period of darkness where you are forcing yourself to be awake, where your body thinks that the sun should be up there. And, and then likewise in the evening, uh, the sun goes down kind of a too early compared to your circadian rhythm. And that kind of messes your hormonal functions. And that leads to the day hormones and the night hormones. So like the serotonin, dopamine, noradrenaline and melatonin cycles to be abnormal. So uh, some of these scientists are really saying that seasonal affective disorder is because we are sleeping ourselves out of the sink, if you understand what I mean. So your sleeping patterns and your internal body clock is not anymore in sync with, you know, what you kind of sense in the world. It's interesting that you mentioned that because a common pattern that I see a lot with clients that, that, enroll in one-on-one -on -one coaching is that they're, they consider themselves night owls and yeah. they're often dealing with a wide variety of issues, whether that is fatigue, pain, brain fog, and a whole host of other things that they would consider to be deviations from optimal health. And the common thread is um, they assume that this, this nature is something that we are born with. And um, 
and, and when we get them on a more natural circadian rhythm that is in sync with the rising and setting of the sun, uh, a lot of those health issues begin to improve. Yeah, it's actually, um, I mean, there's some more and more kind of a health science coming out, you know, about the real, like a really big difference that sleep does for you. I mean, of course, nutrition is important, exercise is important, you know, all the healthy habits are important. But more and more, I mean, taking from the top athletes, everybody is training to sleep well these days. Looking at like the new science that is coming out, it all points out to the uh, recovery that you need to have during every night and and, and the easiness, I mean, how easily you can kind of mess it up. And of course, there has been this discussion about the blue light emitted by, you know, mobile phones and laptops and, and, and iPads. And, and, you know, how you should avoid the screen time, you know, two hours or three hours before bedtime. Um, if you look at the bright light studies, it's actually, this is actually like a super interesting, I mean, I would call for all the biohackers to actually start, you know, biohacking, for example, sleep with light. I mean, if you really go to Google and, and, and try to Google like bright light uh, therapy and sleep, you will find really interesting studies about uh, people taking different type of doses of bright light during the different times of the day. And, uh, and, and those kind of are contributing to sleep patterns. And, 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 and the bright light, like when it's timed correctly, it, it seems to have a very powerful effect into correcting that circadian rhythm and, and resulting in a better sleep. And I need to add that among human charger users who are using this um, small device uh, during winter time, I mean, in winter plus, one of the biggest things that you experience is bad sleep. So the sleep quality is really bad. And, uh, and, and now people have been saying that, you know, if I take human charger like 8 a.m. in the morning, I can go to bed and fall asleep like 10 p.m. And then I wake up at 6 a.m. If I take human charger like one hour later in the morning, my whole sleep pattern kind of switches exactly one hour later so it's, it's it's like a really for some people being so sensitive to these kind of light conditions it seems that with with human charger they are really able to kind of even like a biohack the times when they fall asleep and, and when they wake up which is almost entirely of course based on the melatonin cycles and uh, and and then the day hormone cycles on the other end I'd like to talk a little bit more about the human charger because what you guys are doing here is is really interesting and it wasn't until putting this book together, The Biohacker's Guide, that I started realizing and becoming aware of all of the research out there that you know, when, when you start seeing what's going on with transcranial low-level laser therapy and how, how scientists are using light and it can actually penetrate through our skull and, and affect the brain. And, and what you guys are doing where you have a, a device that for listeners that aren't familiar is the, the human charger is a device that looks like um, a small iPod almost or like an iPod mini. Yeah. And, uh, and then it's got two earbuds and those earbuds, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong or misspeaking, emit a bright, is it a white light? Is that what you would yeah, consider? Yeah, it's a white light. It's like a full spectrum, uh, like daylight 
type of spectrum light. Yeah. Okay. And and what what made you guys choose the ear? And how do we? How did you find out that light through the ears is is, is able to get into the brain? Yeah. So um, if you open the anatomy book. Um, and, and you take the head and you take the ear and, and then you start to kind of study how the human head is, is constructed. Uh, ear canal is, it's, it's a direct hole into your head. So uh, there's only like a very thin bones uh, kind of in, in between of your, your ear canal and eardrum and, and, and then getting into the brain. So it's a direct hole, basically. Another direct hole would be via mouth, but it would, of course, not be that comfortable. So the ear plugs are, are like a very effective way. Uh, then if you look at all the central uh, functions that we have in our heads, talking about like uh, areas where the circadian um, rhythm center is located, talking about where the dopamine or, or serotonin production is kind of a controlled and happening, where those roots start and end, they are all actually very close to where the ear canals are ending. Um, when we started to develop the de device, uh, we did a lot of uh, trials with um, functional uh, magnetic resonance imaging, so fMRI, which is a very popular technique today, of course, in a different type of brain studies. And, uh, and then we gave uh, this bright light to one group, and then we, then we gave a placebo light to another group. And, and we were be able to see like a really significant differences in brain activation, and that has been repeated uh, several times after that. So, um, so there's something happening in the brain. And, and, and then we, of course, got really curious that what is happening there and, and why would there be reactions like that? And, and then we started to go back to the literature uh, since actually 1960s, uh, 70s, and 80s. And then there's a lot of studies where people have been kind of pondering about, like, is, is like a human skull letting light in? And there's a conclusion in literature that on a bright, like a sunny day, uh, if you're outside, uh, your kind of a brain tissue and skull are letting so much light inside of your head that you get almost read a book in the center of the human brain or, or recognize letters from a paper. So, um, so there's a lot of light penetrating into you, your brain. And, and then it's obviously a question that why are there photoreceptors in the human brain? And, and, and it's, it's, a very like, uh, it's a very like a natural explanation for it. Uh, if you think about the humans or mammals or anything that is kind of living on this planet, uh, our central nervous system is a very old invention in a way. So a lot of other animals than, than humans have that who are living on that planet. And, and, and on contrary, I as an organ is a kind of a very relatively new invention in a way. So, so the nature has really been using the same uh, proteins uh, which are present in the central nervous system and which are sensitive to light uh, to build the eye function as well. And, and that family of proteins is called opsins. And, and those similar type of opsins are present in our eye, which are responsible for detecting light and vision via the eyes. And, and those same type of opsins are present in our brains. And, and they are as active there, um, kind of figuring out how much light is getting in. Hopefully I wasn't too scientific, but that's kind of the fundamentals.
that, where, where we are coming. So uh, that was perfect. The yeah, our, our listeners are pretty savvy. Um, yeah, many many of them probably know more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so what are you seeing? You mentioned increased brain activity from this intra-ear light. What, yeah. Can you elaborate on what that increased brain activity entails and what does that mean more specifically? Yeah, uh, we are obviously very early, uh, or not I would say that we are very early, but uh, um, the human brain in general and, and, and all of this, I mean, that's why the biohackers are there because there's a lot known about how our, how our physiology works, but in the end, there's so little that is known, right? And so, so that's what the biohackers are trying to, you know, hack the code in a way. So, so in a similar way, like uh, uh, what we have been seeing is uh, we have been seeing that human charger is affecting the day hormones. So it's affecting to hormones like dopamine, serotonin, and, uh, and noradrenaline. Uh, it's not affecting melatonin. So, so the melatonin cycles, which is the night hormone, we are not affecting. And then if you think about the circadian rhythm, um, it goes like hand in hand in a way that during the night, the night hormones go high, which is melatonin. And during the day, the day hormones go high, which is the other three ones, which I mentioned. And then these kind of go in tandem and kind of oscillate during the night and day. And, and, and where we have seem to have effect is the daytime part, which is also what is, you could label those as a feel-good hormone. So, and, and that's why a lot of people, for example, during winter time, they are seeing the kind of a mood elevating effects of, of using human charger, similar type of effects that you would be getting using bright light. Is there any research with the human charger and specifically activation of the substantia nigra. I, my, my dad, I don't know if you're familiar, but my dad has, uh, was diagnosed with Parkinson's and, um, I, I have two human chargers. So I gave, <laughs> I, I love your device and use it just about every morning. Um, and I gave one of them to my dad largely yeah. because it's, it has a, an amazing safety profile, relatively yeah. low to no risk. And, um, and, and because of, as you mentioned, the location of the dopaminergic centers in the brain, my hypothesis was that it, 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 that would be the most likely spot to activate those dopaminergic centers yeah. would be through the ears. It, has, have you guys done any research on that or is it something that... No, we haven't. I would actually love to hear how it went if you have done this uh, already. I mean, we have only stories, so, so people are... People are saying that they, I, I can't say that, you know, we are curing Alzheimer's. I mean, it, it's, it's, a difficult, uh, it's, it's a difficult thing to th tackle, but, uh, but we have been seeing kind of, a, I mean, people, the elderly people who have been using this, uh, for example, even in a, who have been hospitalized in a similar type of ways, like you explained, that the relatives have been, you know, bringing into devices is that there has been like actually quite significant mood elevating effects. So people have been feeling better and the, the elderly people have been feeling better. Uh, I mean, how did, did you see anything with your relatives or uh, how, how did it go? So to explain my dad's situation in the most succinct way possible, he was 
a fireman for 27 years. My dad is yeah. what we refer to in the United States as old school. He, oh, he okay. never even he never even ate particularly well, which is which may have contributed to where we're at today. Um, but we we now have the, the changes that we have implemented in order to help him are such a vast deviation from the lifestyle he was living before his diagnosis yeah. that he's easily become overwhelmed. You know, he feels like he's one of those guys that never took a single supplement. And now he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's taking, he's taking quite a few and we've changed his diet and we're encouraging him to get outside and work out. So I, I gave him the second human charger and I was actually following up with him just before we started chatting to see where he's at with that. Um, because I know that, uh, I, I know that we've, we've given him quite a few tools and, uh, and I'm not sure if he's implemented all of them yet. Uh, but I will get an update and and let you know ASAP. Yeah, it would be nice to know. Um, I mean, in, you have been probably reading yourself, and uh, and this is again, I, I think that this is like such a rich area for for biohacking. I mean, I haven't seen actually too many biohackers biohacking with light. Uh, you know, it's 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 a rising tide, but uh, but if you go, for example bright light Alzheimer's or bright light and dementia, uh, you will find a lot of interesting studies. Uh, the evidence uh, is pro-bright light. Uh, typically in Alzheimer's, uh, you know, the, the, the biggest benefit that bright light is, is, is bringing is the, is the correction of sleep cycles because in Alzheimer's, the people seem to be sleeping very badly. And when you get the sleep cycles, correct so the circadian rhythm is correct it then kind of uh, reduces the daytime uh, uh, challenges that these people might have and, uh, and and there's a lot of evidence on that and and we have been getting very similar um, reports from the users on that age group one really interesting thing that um, has been tried uh, in a, in a clinical setting but it hasn't been published yet uh, is in blood pressure. Uh, so group of patients with a very high blood pressure uh, have been monitoring and measuring their blood pressure uh, during the kind of the different parts of the day and uh, and, and then taking a human charger and kind of a measuring and, and then the drop has been actually really significant uh, immediately, almost like acutely after using human charger. And uh, we have been thinking that uh, um, I mean, you have the vagus nerve uh, that is just passing your ear, which is a very central for the uh, how the nervous system works. And uh, the illumination and, and a little bit of the warm uh, that is coming out of the earplug um, could have an effect on, on, on that kind of a nerve as well. Uh, we haven't kind of followed that lead, lead up yet, but a lot of those biohackers who have tried with human charger and, and, and have been doing with blood pressure, they have been seeing this like a relaxing effect, uh, like a calming effect uh, if they have that type of uh, blood pressure problem. And, uh, and it's, of course, very expected because if you think about bright light, I mean, uh, bright light is having this relaxing, refreshing, energizing, kind of a calming down type of an effect, which is good for humans if you are not in the sun uh, all the time or, or not getting enough sunlight. 
My dad just messaged me while you were chatting and, and said he used his human charger this morning. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> and uh, it, it is interesting that you mentioned the calming effect because I've noticed that a few times it's it's hard to describe because it's a sensation that that you feel inside your body uh, from from this light. Whereas you know if you if you wrap yourself in a blanket, it's it's an external warming sensation. But with the human charger, it's coming from the inside, but it is very much calming. And, and I don't, I don't have high blood pressure. My blood pressure is always, um, well within the, the healthy range, but I have noticed just feeling more calm and relaxed and enjoying that, that warm sensation that tends to transpire. Yeah, that's right. And, 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 and it, it is in a way we have also done trials, um, with acute anxiety. So, so people who have a um, anxiety attacks, uh, not the real like a panic panic attacks, but like anxiety is like a rising like a big tide, uh, kind of a severe condition actually for for those people, and uh, and then we have been able to kind of uh, help people really help people with those anxiety attacks um, in, in in a placebo controlled setup as well in a in a kind of a hospital or research lab. And, and, and it's really interesting. I mean, and again, if you look at bright light therapy research, I mean, uh, bright light has been really successfully applied, for example, even to post-traumatic uh, stress disorder by the U.S. military who are returning home. Uh, so there's Dr. Youngstead, uh, who has done a lot of trials on, on, on that arena, and, and is even proposing that that's the most effective way uh, to treat these type of uh, these type of conditions, um, it's also really interesting that uh, you know every medication or every treatment or every intervention. Obviously, it has the time that it takes to have an effect. So you need to use it for for an amount of time, and, and then if you stop using it, wears out, of course. And and then it seems in a way that uh, with human charger, if if it's used for to elevate mood. Uh, it typically takes like two to three days, uh, two to four days uh, for people to start realizing the effects, uh, depending a little bit on, on which type of mood disorder or which type of mood elevation people are using it. Uh, in winter plus, uh, during winter time, it's typically uh, three to four days and, and, and then people's like feeling some mood gets elevated. And then if they stop using it, it typically is about one week and, and then they start to get like to the real bad condition that they used to be. And, and that again is, is very typical to bright light in general. Uh, although I need to say that um, with the traditional bright lights or bright light boxes that you need to use like uh, 60 minutes a day, for example, the winner plus, uh, those typically require like a one week kind of a take of time until the, you know, the mood is elevated. And, and then if you stop using it, it's the same one week that, you know, you lose the effect. So light is something that you can store. It's like vitamin C, right? So <laughs> your buffer is like a one week. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, You mentioned something interesting earlier about stimulation of, of the vagus nerve. And yeah. I think there's 
going to be a tremendous amount emerging in, in the coming years or decade about the vagus nerve and the role that it plays in the body. Because like many things, you know, one of the, one of the jokes that I like to, a, a saying that I refer to often is that, uh, you know, half of what we know is right and half of what we know is wrong. The problem is we, we don't, we don't know which half. And, um, I think the, the vagus nerve is, is one of those things that we are starting to realize does a tremendous amount in the body and it's probably a lot more than we're even aware. Can you share with the listeners a little bit about what we know about the vagus nerve and, um, and, and why it may be of interest to, to stimulate that part of our bodies through the human charger and and some other techniques that yeah I'm I'm not like um, uh, regards to human charger I mean we haven't it's it's the kind of a as an, you know hopefully there's a lot of biohackers around the audience who are listening to this and and I'm proper there is this was just a kind of a hook that I wanted to throw in in a way that hey you know you guys you should really think about this and. We have been thinking this, but we haven't studied it very systematically. Uh, I mean, with the nerve itself, uh, I guess that if I if I would summarize it, uh, people are really looking at it as a way to kind of a control the, str- you know, oversimplifying this, but the stress reactions in a way, how, how people would be reacting to stress and how stress would be relieved. And then it goes all the way into... I've been seeing medical devices who are treating tinnitus, which is a terrible condition, and especially like a stress-originated tinnitus by uh, electromagnetic stimulation of the nerve. Uh, you know, getting the nerve to relax would then affect uh, to your brain cortex in a way that the uh, you know the non-existing tinnitus that you hear would kind of go away from those like uh, audio uh, roots of your brain. As an example, uh, the same way, if you think about like the blood pressure, uh, which is in some cases, it's a kind of a stress reaction or it can be considered as a stress reaction. Uh, stimulating the vagus nerve uh, could help in that. And if I remember correctly, it was Medtronic who is uh, currently like trialing a, a implantable device uh, exactly related to the nerve, uh, kind of a controlling the electro uh, impulses in a way that it could actually kind of a sync the nerve together with the, with the kind of other, other parts of, of the central nervous system. So there's a lot of these studies, I totally agree with you, but, and, and all of this has been actually emerging, let's say during the past three years or five years or even two years. So it's a really new thing. I mean, nobody knows knows about these things. People typically, they read newspapers and then it says that, you know, this nerve is really great and, you you know, by stimulating, we can get rid of this and this and this. But then when you scratch the surface a little bit, it's it's so little that is known really out of these things. Yeah. And and it's even, even in the medical community, it's still quite fringe that a practitioner would even recommend taking taking steps to improve vagal tone and uh some of the things that 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 help with that are starting to become a little bit more mainstream you have people using cold thermogenesis and the cold showers and cold plunges we've got heart rate variability starting to come a little bit more into into the mainstream and then yeah um and and then a number of of 
people are discussing, even gargling and singing and yelling at the top of your lungs, like ways to really engage our physiology down to the core because uh, there's, there's a lot of evidence showing that, that the benefits may come from activation of, of the vagus nerve. And, And I think light probably plays, uh, plays an important role there. Yeah, that's right. It's actually, yeah, that's right. Um, it's actually uh, really interesting. I mean, it, it all gets this. I mean, I mean, biohacking itself is like a very new phenomena. And, uh, and I, like you said, like the medical communities are debating and, and all that. I mean, why the traditional rules of, of medical devices, you know, Medtronic wants to do an implantable device. It takes like 15 years to trial and, and, and then it costs like 100,000 to get inside of your body, right? And, and, and even after that, you are only able to access it if you have a if you are really suffering from a really like uh, non-treatable high blood pressure that is almost like uh, uh, causing death un, un, unless something is done. And uh, I'm just so great believer, as I guess many of us, that you know this like a personalized trial and error with safe technologies and and, and kind of a following your body is is, is important and. Interesting that you mentioned the heart rate variability. Um, in Finland, there's actually a lot of study, uh, you know, Finland was the country that invented heart rate monitors. So Finnish company Polar Electro really introduced heart rate monitoring in the 70s to the top athletes. And then it has been going down to the like one of the athletes and then to the regular people and so forth. And, 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 and also um, some Finnish companies were first who put heart rate variability into exercise computers. And, uh, and then since then it has been, it's getting more and more mainstream, like you said. But I've been measuring my heart rate variability, um, you know, using human charger. And I'm actually seeing, again, almost like a spontaneous, like acute reaction in my heart rate variability when I'm using human charger. And of course, that would again tell that there is something to do with the vagus nerve. And, and then this kind of a calming, you know, getting yourself more sensitive type of effect. That's that's really interesting. Um, I'm gonna so th- there's there's two apps that I use with heart rate variability. The one that I use most of the time is called Sweetbeat, and it connects with a, a Bluetooth Polar chest strap. Um, yeah. Uh, after after our interview, I'm I'm going to be interested. I'm going to try measure, monitoring my heart rate variability, and then and then plugging into the human charger and and, and yeah. seeing seeing what 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 I observe. That's that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, you should try it out, and uh, and uh, it's um, it's uh, it's it's a great measure. So heart rate variability, it's a great measure. Obviously, it's uh, it's a very far away from mainstream, and I I think that. You know, people like Apple and, and Fitbit and some of these guys are, of course, you know, pondering that everybody is seeing the benefit, but they're thinking about how to communicate that to the consumer. So the main kind of the mainstream consumer, everybody understands heartbeat, but, you know, variability is, 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 is a lot more to explain, right? So, um, of course, some of these companies like Polar has done reasonable job with this training effect and, you know, the readiness of your body and, and so forth. But it's, it's an interesting area. And again, if you really get into the heart rate variability literature, people are still disagreeing how you should read the graphs and 
whether it's the specific one or the global one that is important for what measure and, and, and all that. So uh, we are getting there. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I was interested in, in your take on that. I mean, for, for the people who aren't familiar, heart rate variability, the, the Wikipedia definition here is, is the physiological phenomenon of variation in the time interval between heartbeats. It's measured by the variation in the beat-to-beat -beat interval. And what, what originally struck me as counterintuitive was that reduced heart rate variability has been shown to be a predictor of mortality. And we actually, and, and conversely, higher levels of heart rate variability are seen as a good thing. Now, can you, yeah. can you kind of explain some of the um, methodology or reasoning behind that? Yeah, I think that if I like oversimplify it, uh, the reasoning is that, uh, you know, your heart rate should be reacting to your, you know, the way how you perform, right? So if, if you are getting a stressful job to solve with your brain or, or if you are like jogging and, and then you are walking and, and you have a little bit of recovery and then you jog again and, you know, then you do a crossword puzzle and then your boss yells at you and so forth, right? Uh, you know, your, your heart is, is, is still a very good proxy of your nervous system. And, and, and if, you, if your heart is not uh, reacting in a very flexible and reactive manner into that external and, and an internal kind of a burden, it means that you are kind of a, you are not reactive, right? So you are always, you're kind of a stressed. So it's the one kind of a pulse for everything. I'm oversimplifying this, of course, for, for, a, for a, you, you know, somebody, if there's a heart rate variability scientist in a call, probably going to kill me for this. But, uh, and, and, and then if you have a very um, kind of a flexible, if, if your heart rate variability increases, it means that, you are kind of a faster to react into this. And, uh, and of course, anybody could even intuitively think that, you know, your nervous system should be reacting into the way, how, what type of a burden you are putting into it. And if it's not reacting, it means that, uh, for example, after a stressful day, uh, you are not recovering. So it's impossible for your body to move into the recovery phase, which is very important, obviously. So, um, and... Uh, I've been involved with a couple of companies who have been kind of a pioneering that already, you know, since uh, 2002 or 2001. And, and I'm trying to bring these like uh, stress measures of heart rate variability into the mainstream market. And, and, and people are still, scientists are still disagreeing a lot, you know, whether you actually can use heart rate variability as a, as a kind of a measure for mental stress. I mean, I'm a big believer that you, you can and you, you should use it. Uh, of course, one metric is not telling it all, but it's better than no metric. Yeah. And I think that there's particular applications here for athletes and, uh, and people that are trying to determine if it's, if it's a good, if it's a good day for them to train and, uh, and, and more specifically whether they should train hard or it should be, it should be a lighter recovery day. I saw just for, for UFC 202, they were, they were showing Conor McGregor's training and, um, how he had specifically worked in more rest days 
this this time around because he had overtrained for his previous fight and uh, you know it had affected his energy levels. And while it's it's great that I saw them taking steps to make sure that he was rested, I couldn't help but think that as as a world class athlete, there's so much that there's so much more that he could be doing. And and, and it's and the next level beyond just planning rest days is waking up and measuring where is Connor at that morning and deciding should he train and then based on his heart rate variability because these these tools now exist. Yeah, 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 that's right. And and it, it is like there's a one very famous uh, I mean Formula One you know racing is you have your Indy cars, you know, I guess that the European equivalent is like Formula One's uh, really big motorsport um there's very fame one very famous finnish doctor who is very respected in those circles and of course you know each team only has like a two drivers so the drivers are very valuable and uh, and, and 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 they have been applying this heart rate variability based like uh, measure of how you how ready you are to practice uh, if you need to rest how ready you are to compete and and and, and all that I know that a lot of um, some of the uh, airlines are using it because uh, we have been doing work with human charger with the airlines um, because, of course, for the staff, when they are crossing the time zones and, 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 and they are suffering from jet lag, uh, human charger is, is making them faster to adapt to the local time zones, uh, about 2x faster adaptation in, in cross-Atlantic travel. Uh, and I know that a lot of these airlines are like trialing different type of heart rate variability based kind of a readiness metrics currently and, and really focusing on sleep quality and circadian rhythm and, and, and all that. It, you mentioned airlines and I think that's a good transition to how, how do you use the human charger? How do you recommend it is used? Let, let's say scenario A for someone that is in their in, in their hometown and, and they want to use it to make sure that they are improving their sleep hygiene and getting the highest quality rest possible. And then scenario B is someone that travels a lot for, uh, for work or pleasure and they're crossing different time zones, etc. Yeah. So if I take a travel uh, example first, um, I mean, what you really should do is you could go to app store, um, or, or Google likewise and, and download the Human Charger app because there's an app that is telling you, you know, cross-Atlantic travel or, or jet travel, uh, kind of when to take the light doses. And, uh, and while you are traveling, the uh, schedule that we have worked out in our clinical trials is in a way that you should be taking like, uh, like three doses daily. And, and, and the doses uh, are, are timed to be during the um, kind of the first part of the day of your destination. So meaning that you probably take the first doses, uh, you know, when you are still in your home country and, and, and are starting to travel. Then you are taking the doses on the airplane and, and, and then you continue using it uh, while you are while you are at the at the destination. For example, if I get to the US um, if I would be flying to Chicago, which is eight hours difference uh, from here, um, uh, I would be taking the first shots in, in, in Finland. Uh, then I would be taking the next shots. Uh, I would be probably landing 
depending of obviously from the flight, but I would be probably landing like the morning uh, Chicago time. So I would be taking the next series of three times 12 minutes, um, you know, in the morning or immediately after I land and, and then continue using. But the app is kind of a telling and alerting uh, when to use it. Um, the best time to use human charger for kind of a mood elevation or circadian rhythm is typically in the morning. So one, uh, one kind of a dose in the morning, typically when you wake up like one hour from the time when, when you wake up. And, and, and the interesting thing is that approximately our estimate is that like 20 to 30% of people actually reacting better to the evening dose, uh, which is actually exactly the same thing like with Pride Like. I mean, it's one of these weird things that you would think that uh, you know, you need to take light in the morning uh, because then it alerts your body that, hey, wake up, it's morning, right? So that's an intuitive thing. And then that works for most people. Then there's uh, that 20 to 30% group uh, that actually benefit uh, taking light in the evening. And I'm, talking, I'm not talking about like a 10 p.m., but kind of a 5 p.m., 6 p.m. And, and for them, it probably tells that, hey, the day is still going on. So you should kind of still keep up for a few hours, right? To, to always simplify this again. And, uh, and, and if you look at the bright light research again, you can see that there's a really big impact in the mood elevation and the circuit and rhythm coordination of the time of the light dosing. I mean, there are even trials where people have been studying cognitive performance. So they have been putting people into different type of cognitively demanding tasks like reaction, reaction times and like solving puzzles and, and all that. And in some cases, if the bright light has been administered in the wrong time of the day for certain groups, the performance have even deteriorated in solving these like cognitively demanding tasks. And, and then when they, they have been changing the time of the light exposure, it has been getting better. And we have been seeing exactly the same phenomena in our own uh, clinical trials with people with winter blues, that for some people, the big benefit is in the morning and for some people it's in the evening. So I would propose that everybody starts using human charger for mood elevation by using it in the morning. And then if that doesn't work, switch to the evening, uh, evening time. Is your hypothesis that and I may be jumping to conclusions here, is your yeah. hypothesis that light is similar to other nutrients in that it's something our brains and bodies need, but the timing of it may not be as important as just getting it in? Um, yeah, so, so you mean that the timing is important or the time is not important? Well, it's from from some of the anecdotal cases that you just referred to, it seems like as long as the sun is out and and you get your light in, you're going to reap the benefits. Yeah. And, and which makes which turns some of this stuff on its head in that, you know, we, we thought get your light in the morning, that's the most important time. I'm I'm curious if it if we just need the light period, that supersedes the timing and- uh, All right. Yeah, I, can, I see where you are. I think that the hypoth my hypothesis or our hypothesis would be more 
uh, and, and looking at all the research done with Lightwood in a way that it's individual. And, uh, and, 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 and probably the light, uh, the, the, the kind of a correct light exposure, if you are using it as a therapeutic, uh, is tied to your circadian rhythm. And, uh, and, and people might have very different circadian rhythms or your circadian rhythm can be mixed up in a certain way uh, at the time when you start using these things. And, and, and that's the reason why you need to explore. I mean, there's these two like a terrible things, which is like the, uh, like the delayed uh, syndrome and, 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 and then it's, it's the... It, of course, the, on the other end, your your circadian rhythm is too early, and uh, and, and these like a sleep uh, syndromes are like a really, really bad for people who have them because they are constantly out of sync with uh, <laughs> kind of what's happening around them, and uh, and especially with these people, I mean, there is even different diagnostic tests where people are diagnosed or tested in a way that whether their circadian rhythm is like a too advanced or too delayed, and uh, and, and I think it's just kind of a thinking that. Uh, could it be, for example, in a way that for some people, uh, night hormones are more kind of a governing for circadian rhythm, and for some people, it's it's more like the day hormones that are kind of leading the way how the circadian rhythms work. I mean, this is all, of course, like um, this type of like a very soft scientific speak, uh, I would say. But, but it, again, it kind of illustrates the whole thing is that, I mean, we don't know. We just don't know. I mean, even if you have like a panel of like a five world's best pride-like researchers and you would be tossing this question to them. And I know because I've been discussing with all of them. Uh, I mean, first of all, they would disagree. Second of all, they don't have an answer, but they have a theory. And third, they all conclude that it's really difficult to study because you need to keep people in the lab to control the light exposure for a relatively long period of time to get to like a really controlled environment. And then you can, of course, ask that what is the relevance of that type of trial for the normal life? Because people still need to, you know, live their normal lives and feel good in those. And, and, and that's again where like the biohacking trend is so great because everybody should just, I guess, you know, try it out whether I should take the light in the morning or light in the evening. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, it is a very yeah. individual process. Yeah. But it's, but it's in, yeah. But but it's interesting what you said again about this. Um, you know, if you take melatonin, for example, uh, you know, melatonin uh, is a, it's the thing thing that takes very little light. So, so the amount of light that you need for melatonin to start dissolving is very small. And, uh, and if you add the intensity of light after that threshold, um, you are not going to get like significantly, you know, faster dissolution of melatonin. Uh, similar type of results uh, that we have had, uh, we are realizing uh, kind of a favorable benefits of human charger with even like a very low light amounts and uh, and then if you study the opsins and, and the amount of uh, light energy that opsin proteins need to have in in order to activate it's it's a very it's very little amount and of course that's very natural because i mean the humans are geared in a way that when we see the first you know light 
you know, string coming out of the sun in the morning, it's a signal that, hey, the day starts, we should get out and, you know, hunt and do the stuff that we do, right? Or used to be doing. And, uh, and, and then when the, you know, sun goes down, it's a signal for our body that we should be getting back to caves and, you know, start sleeping, right? <laughs> so, so in that sense, it's, uh, we are really like, uh, we are really like more sensitive to light than we actually believe. How do you use your human charger, Timo? Yeah, so uh, I'm not I'm not using it during uh, summertime. Uh, right now, it's it's turning into September, in, and then kind of uh, uh, mid September in Finland is is the point when I start using it. I use it every morning when I wake up, uh, and and then I the biggest benefit that I'm getting during winter time. Uh, is is better sleep so i immediately if i stop using it after a couple of days uh, i start to wake up in the odd times uh, during the night Uh, i kind of wake up uh, it's very difficult for me to get out of the bed if i'm not using it so it means that i'm using it to synchronize my my circadian rhythm to battle this winter blues and and then whenever i'm traveling cross-Atlantic or, or long-haul flights, uh, I'm using it. And people are just like wondering that, why don't you have any jet lag? And I'm saying that, hey, I have this device. So, <laughs> so that's, those are the two things uh, where I'm using, using my device. And you use it just once a day? Yeah, once a day during winter time. So in the morning, it's typically in a way that when I wake up, uh, if I have a lazy morning, um, I have it on my night desk. And, and when I wake up, I put those earplugs and, and, you know, lie there in the bed for an additional 12 minutes <laughs> until it's done. And, uh, and, and then in a more kind of a busy or like a regular uh, days, I'm typically, you know, when I'm putting breakfast on the table for the family, uh, I'm taking 12 minutes of light then. Yeah, there was, uh, you reminded me of a funny story. My business partner, Russell Brunson, uh, he got one as well. And, um, you know, he, he loves biohacking and, but he's so busy with, with his multiple businesses. He doesn't always have time to dive into the science, but he'll, he'll ask me, he'll be like, Hey, you think, do you think this human charger is legit? Does it, does it, you know, does, does the scientific research support it? And I said, yes. So he's like, okay, I'm getting one. So he, he gets yeah. one. And, um, he told me he, he was waking up. He had a really early conference call, like 6am or something like that. And, yeah. and, and he hadn't gotten a, a, a lot of sleep. So he goes and he, he wakes up and he's groggy and he grabs the human charger and he throws it in for the first time and turns it on. And he said within two minutes, he felt an immediate, like immediately more awake. He, he said yeah, it yeah. was, he said it was noticeable and, um, and, and he jumped on the call and was, and was good to go. And, uh, and he, you know, he didn't expect to observe such a dramatic change in his, in, in, in his uh, wakefulness but um it was it was yeah. it was pretty cool it's yeah it's a very typical feeling that you get if if you are like a groggy and and you're a little bit like hey it was not such a good night and i should have been sleeping more that, that's what i experience as well and that's what a lot of people i experience it exactly like you explained so uh, so um i mean some people are using it as a kind of extra energy boost when they need it but uh um, uh, I'm, I'm kind of using it in, in the, in mornings myself. So, uh, are there any other light biohacks that, that you use? Um, 
Not, not really. I mean, I'm so happy with what I have <laughs> in Human Charger. So, uh, uh, I mean, before Human Charger, I used light boxes, so those like a bright light therapy lamps. Uh, but it's so difficult because, uh, you know, you should be there really for 60 minutes a day. And uh, it's very difficult to find that 60 minutes to sit like, uh, like very close to the lamp. Uh, you know, two kids and, you know, waking up needing to go to work and then back to work and all the kind of hobbies and everything. It's very difficult to find like 60 minutes, you know, still sitting just next to, you know, lamp next to your head. So... Uh, so, uh, and then and that's typically like, uh, like eight out of 10 people just stop using those lamps because they just can't fit, it, fit the lamp into their routine. And, and obviously if you have a portable device, I mean, you can wear it 12 minutes when you cook the breakfast, right? Or when you eat the breakfast or when you commute or, uh, you know, when you read your emails first time in the, when you get to office or, or whatever you want to use it. It's very easy to integrate into the routine. Yeah, it's it's so easy, and that portability uh, is really what makes it uh, it make it makes it a sustainable approach and, and keeps compliance high. Where whereas with the light boxes, it's just you know a lot of them just end up collecting dust. I'll grab yeah, mine. I'll, right. I'll run out the door. I'll throw them in, and I could be driving to a meeting with you know with the human charger in, and and it's no different than. If if I were listening to music and 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 headphones, yeah, that's right. Um, what do you do? Do you do any other biohacking besides the human charger? Are there are there any things that you found to have a powerful impact on your energy and focus? Yeah, it's sleep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's very simple. I mean, I've been I've been trying a lot of things like from vitamins to, to like very exotic substances. And, and, and everything, um, uh, it's, um, I can tell one thing that I, for example, discovered, I mean, uh, I'm an investor in another, uh, really interesting technology. It's the, uh, ring that is actually measuring your heart rate variability and your heartbeat and, and, and several other things. And it all gets into the ring is called aura. Yeah. And, I've been, I've and, been looking at the aura ring. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and and it all gets back to the it's it's a kind of a really high quality sleep analysis, and and, and I have never been really because like some of these wearables they don't really like measure you detailed like a sleep architecture. I mean they they basically say that they are able to track your deep sleep and your REM sleep and, and all that, but where most of them fail is is, is really like tracking your deep sleep, and uh, and and I kind of realized that I only have like five or 10 minutes of deep sleep per night and you should really have over one hour. So I kind of forgot to alert it that, you know, I'm kind of a feeling okay when I wake up and then I don't feel tired and I feel that I've been sleeping well, but my deep sleep is so little. And, uh, and, and, and then I started experimenting and, and this is like a really, really interesting. I, I'm, I'm the type of a person who doesn't react to coffee or caffeine in a way that I have difficulty in falling asleep. So I've been always a coffee drinker, you know, even 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. But, but then I started to kind of drop that off. So I, I had this thing that I never drink coffee anymore after 3 p.m. And, and, and immediately my deep sleep kind of pumped up from that 
five to ten minutes into like uh, 30 to 50 minutes. So like almost like a 10x or five, five to 10x or five to eight x like improvement in deep sleep immediately. And it, it was a really interesting because I always thought that I'm like uh, caffeine doesn't affect my sleep because, you know, some people just can't fall asleep if they drink coffee, right, or tea. Uh, I don't have that problem, but now with this tool, I kind of realized that my deep sleep is almost not there. Uh, the second thing that I realized with that ring is is the screen thing. So, I mean, of course, I've been reading and I've been avoiding, you know, blue screens in the evening and, and all that. But I can I, I can literally, in a way, that if I read my emails from my uh, uh, phone uh, just before getting to bed, and even if I do it only like for five minutes, and then this gets back to melatonin being really sensitive, uh, I'm seeing an immediate dip in my deep sleep. And, and, and then the third one that was really interesting is the timing of sleep. So I've been ex- kind of experimenting like getting to bed like 9 p.m., 10 p.m., 11 p.m., and so forth. And I realized how important for myself it is to have the correct time when I go to bed. So I can say that if I go to bed like uh, post 11, uh, I'm not going to have a lot of deep sleep in a night. If I go to bed like closer to 10 than 11, my deep sleep is perfect. I mean, I've been surprised how sensitive it is. And, uh, and, and these are not like the biohacks with, you know, equipment or with nutritions or, or all that but it's just like pacing yourself i guess right yeah it's um it sounds like you're finding the old adage to be true which is that an hour of sleep before midnight is worth two hours after yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's right and, and and this is my kind of uh i mean if, if there's a one thing and then people tend to agree on this because everybody's asking, for example, in this type of podcast that, you know, if there's a one thing, you know, what would you recommend, right? Um, I would just recommend that people sleep more. <laughs> I mean, uh, people are not sleeping enough. I mean, that eight hours and, and, and exactly the types of rules that you said, I mean, they're so key. So they're so key to well-being. And of course, you know, you have kids and you have hobbies and, you know, you have Netflix and you have this and that, but, uh, uh, yeah, I've, I've during the past like twelve months, I've been trying to pay a lot more attention to to my sleep patterns. And you're doing that through by using the Aura Ring. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing it. I've been measuring, you know, every night for last like five months, because obviously I had the kind of a very early prototypes. I'm still wearing. I have it in my ring actually right now. It's a prototype still. <laughs> one of the first ones coming out of the line, but it has been lasting pretty well, although it's not the manufacturing version. So, <laughs> and um, the Aura Ring is there? Are there advantages to that over, say, I, I've I've only looked at it a little bit, and um, I, I didn't know that you were also involved with that company. Are there advantages to that over, say, some of the activity trackers that um, that are popular, but you know more more mainstream yeah i I would say that uh, and and there are a lot of people who agree with this and of course i'm biased because i'm so into this and excited about the company and 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 so forth but but a lot of people are saying that this is this is the only like a heavy duty sleep tracker that is available in the market so 
you know, there were a lot of people who liked MySeo, uh, if you remember, uh, the company that went bankrupt a few years ago uh, <laughs> yeah. with, the head, with the headband and everything. So it was very accurate to record like sleep cycles and all that. But of course, it's very difficult to use. You don't want to wear a headband when you're sleeping. And that's probably why the company wasn't successful. Um, well, if there's also going to be anything that's transmitting electromagnetic frequencies, you'd much rather have it on your finger than your head. Yeah, that's right. So Aura Ring is not transmitting anything uh, during night, so it's collecting it into its memory, and, and then it synchronizes it in morning to your, your uh, smartphone, and, and it shows the analysis there. Um, yeah, that's right. So the ring is very like effortless. It's very uh, like connected in a way that it doesn't require you really to do anything, which is very important in this. And it's 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 very natural in a way that you don't need to you know wear chest straps or headbands or 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 whatever. Uh, so uh, and and then compared to some of these technologies which you put under the mattress, um, it's far more accurate. In regards to sleep architecture, and uh, and and then uh, you know if you are sleeping with your significant other, or if you have small kids who are you know running to your bed in the middle of the night, obviously these sort of things uh, which are under the mattress, they kind of screw the analysis immediately if there are <laughs> kind of more than one person you know touching the top of it. So <laughs> so it's uh, I I really think that it's a kind of a game changer technology in, 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 in that sense. Yeah, that's that's really exciting to me because the one area that I still struggle is with sleep and um, and making sure I get enough of it, especially because, as you know, you get busy and it's very easy to make sleep be the thing that gets that gets pushed back. And yeah. um, I'm I'm a big believer in in what Peter Drucker says: what gets measured gets managed. And yeah. and something like the Aura Ring that is that is tracking your sleep and doing so in a way that's much more um, much more high level than than a simple activity tracker. I think that's something that would be very beneficial to not just me but probably a lot of a lot of people listening. Yeah, and, and what I'm actually going to do right now, I mean, every every winter, and, and I've been using Human Charger for six years right now, uh, every winter I, I do this test for myself. So um, I, I kind of let myself to start going into this, um, like, winter plus condition. And, and then I start using Human Charger because I want to, you know, test every year that it works for me, right? So that it really works and, and, and to get this feeling that, hey, I'm getting better now. And, and, and this year, I'm, I'm going to experiment because this is the first year when I have this ring. I'm going to experiment in a way that, you know, now when the, uh, the darkness comes uh, and the cold comes, and, and it, it is actually in the New York and Chicago latitudes, it's, it's dark enough in the winter uh, for people, a significant amount of people to develop these type of symptoms. Uh, I start to explore myself or plan to explore myself, uh, you know, how does human charger use affect to my deep sleep uh, and kind of uh, my kind of sleep cycles. Uh, if you're sleeping bad, you can see it from aura in a way that you know how the sleep cycle goes, that you go to deep sleep, then you go back to the almost wake, being, you know, wake up, then you go to deep again and you have like X number of these cycles per night. 
And, and, and you can see that if you have a sleep problem or if, if something is kind of bothering your sleep, you typically uh, don't reach the deep sleep or the deep sleep is too little. And, and then you go very quickly into actually being awake in the middle of the night. And then you go very slowly again into the deep sleep. And, and, and then the perfect night is in a way that it's very balanced curve. So I'm trying to get these balanced curves with human charger and, and I see if they are non-balanced <laughs> when I'm not using it. So <laughs> that's going to be a really interesting test. I think so too, and I'm I'm happy to participate. If you guys are are looking for additional, uh, yeah, an, anecdotal evidence and findings. Yeah, yeah, I, I talked to these guys, so we can we can we can see if um, you need to start measuring your sleep. <laughs> so. Yeah, this is um this is cool. So I I, I want to be wow. We've gone a lot <laughs> a lot longer yeah. than than I originally anticipated. You you've been incredibly generous with your time, Timo. I I, I appreciate it, and um and, and this has been. I mean, I'm 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 on the aura ring.com site that it says it's it's o-u-r-a-r-i-n-g.com i wanted to ask you we, we hadn't planned anything but do you guys do uh discount codes where we might be able to do like a discount code biohacks for listeners that yeah for, for the for the aura ring and the uh and the human charger possibly for yeah. people that that want to participate in this in this little experiment we're running and maybe we could get we could get data from uh, from a lot more people than just you and me. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's great. So let's talk about it offline. So uh, since I don't have the code generated yet, so yeah, yeah, we'll, I would get a lot of angry people saying that <laughs> where's my discount. So. <laughs> yeah, we'll get we'll get all of that figured out. And uh, if if the interview airs before we've ironed out the details, just be patient. Check back in, and we'll we'll get something figured out and have some sort of nice nice discount. And and we'll try to make the code biohacks. Or something like that. I'll, I'll let everybody know. Yeah, very good. Very cool. Well, Timo, I uh, this is this has been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot. Yeah, and, yeah, me um, too. It's and, a great chat. Yeah, very very great chat. Um, thank you so much for your time. I will. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna probably go jump off here and 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 pick up one of these aura rings because I need to start. I need to start making that even more of a priority. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey, I go to bed. <laughs> and, uh, and Timo, last thing: where can people find out um, if people want to, to learn more about the the Human Charger and, and what you're up to? Um, where are the best places for them to do that? Yeah, I think uh, it's humancharger.com uh, is the best place for Human Charger, and uh, you can always uh, like put Timo Ahapelto uh, on Google. I guess it gives you the you know, the most relevant links, or you, you can go to LinkedIn and have like my name there. My name is very unusual even for a Finn. So uh, I guess there's only one Timo Ahopelto in whole LinkedIn. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so for, for people that are, that are easy to trace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, great. Thank you so much, Timo. I really, I really appreciate you taking the time. It's been, it's been great. And uh, I look forward to uh, chatting more. Okay. Thanks, Anthony.
All right, biohackers, super excited to share this one with you guys, especially those of you who live in parts of the world where maybe you don't get as much sun as you like, or even if you just have a modern lifestyle that doesn't allow you to get as much sun as you like. Maybe you wake up in your box, you eat your box cereal. Hopefully you guys are, are past that. You get in your box with four wheels under it, you drive and you work all day in your box, and before you know it, you haven't gotten any sun. And we know that that photonic energy from the sun is critical to everything for from energy production to mood, mental fatigue, and especially for those of us that have dealt with seasonal affective disorder, that's kind of like where your mood drops during the winter months, I suggest that you pick up the human charger. I've used this for a few years, and what's really cool about it is it was invented in Finland, and the research on this device has been around since the 1980s. It's effectively working by shedding light into the light-sensitive regions of the brain that are responsible for energy levels and mood and mental alertness, and it can help reduce the effects of jet lag. There's studies showing that this is effective against seasonal affective disorder. It actually increases motor speed in athletes, and it does all of that without suppressing the melatonin production that clears toxins from our brain and helps us get a good deep night's sleep, right? So that's really cool. I use it for about 12 minutes a day. I used to use it religiously when I was in Chicago, and now that I've moved to move to Delray and have much more access to sunlight. I use it uh, a little bit less frequently, more on a as-needed basis, and I keep it in the rotation for when I travel to prevent jet lag. You can learn more about the Human Charger at humancharger.com. Be sure to use coupon code BIOHACKS to save 20% on your order. Again, you can go check it out at humancharger.com. That's H-U-M-A-N-C-H-A-R-G-E-R.com and use coupon code BIOHACKS, B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S when purchasing to save 20% on your order. 